Greetings from the Classic City. I am Jamie Cheek. This is A View from the Couch. Thank you so much for joining me for our second episode as we preview the 2021 Atlanta Braves season. As I said in episode one, we're going to do it a little different this year. We're going to go through the batting order, what I assume at this point based on reports out of spring training and what we've heard from Snit and just kind of my opinion on how things will probably start the season. We're going to go straight through the batting order, one through eight, and preview the positional players for the Atlanta Braves. On day nine, sometime towards the end of next week, we are going to talk about the starting pitching. We'll then talk about the relief pitching, and then we'll talk about some just general predictions uh, for the season. So today, episode two, we go to the second spot in the batting order, which is the spot I think has got the most question marks about it. You could see a lot of different players here over the course of the season. And in fact, I think we will see different guys get a shot in that number two hole batting behind Ronald. I think the person that will get the start on opening day in the number two hole is Ozzie Albies. So based on that assumption, that is where we're going to go today. We're going to talk about Ozzie. We're going to talk about how he could be the player that benefits the most from Chipper Jones' presence in the dugout for the Braves this season. So let's talk now about the Braves' second baseman, Ozzie Albies. So Ozzie Albies, the Braves' second baseman and my assumed number two hitter for this year, he's only 24 years old, which kind of feels weird to me because at least for, I think, a lot of Braves fans, well, I'll just speak for myself, everything is marked by the last three years, right? There's the three years... 2018, when we surprised everybody and won the division, 19, when we did it again, and obviously the abbreviated season last year where the Braves were a game away from the World Series, that is kind of what marks time. You know, in the same way, and I'm not saying that the Braves are about to go on a 15-year run like they did uh, from the early 90s through the early part of the 2000s, but in the same way that Braves history started in 1991 for a lot of people, that's kind of how I feel about 2018. And the fact that Ozzy actually made his debut in August of 2017 makes it feel like Ozzy's been around a little longer than everybody else. And it, But it's actually just a little bit longer than everybody else. Ozzy's only 24 years old, and he's only entering his, his fourth full season in the major leagues. He had the 2017 season where he debuted in August, obviously 18, 19, and then 20. But he was hurt a little bit last year. And we saw kind of a, a different Ozzie Albies until the playoffs when all of a sudden he kind of woke up and he was the guy that we've been seeing. Now, you cannot talk about Ozzie Albies without talking first about his contract. And depending on how you feel, you know, either he has a great contract or he has an awful contract. And I think it's just dependent on your the perspective you choose to take when analyzing the contract. This is a Braves preview podcast. So from the Braves team perspective, Ozzy Albies has the best contract in all of baseball. He has a seven-year, $35 million contract that will keep him with the Braves through the 2025 season. There's also uh, 2026 and 2027 team options that the Braves can pick up. Now, that annual salary of $5 million a year is awful. It's awful. It was awful the day he signed the contract. So as much as some people like to crap on the Braves for giving him such a terrible contract, which it is from a player's perspective, there's no doubt that Ozzie Albies today, this season, last season, the day he signed that in 2018 um, or before the 2019 season, 
it was a bad contract from a player's standpoint. But you can't fault the team for that. When they're in negotiations with the player and they're saying, hey, we want to buy out your arbitration years, we want to go ahead and get you uh, a, a big contract and we're going to give you seven million or seven years for 35 million, he put his name on the dotted line. So I don't, I'm not saying you blame Ozzy. I don't think there's anybody to blame. I think when we look in the world of sports and we start talking money, we completely lose all relativity when we're talking about things. So, I mean, yes. $5 million a year for a player like Ozzy Albies is very under market. So the player is not getting paid what he is probably worth in the market. I don't think anybody should be upset for someone who is making $35 million over the next seven years. I will trade spots with Ozzy if, uh, if he'd like to. So, again, from it, it's just some one of those things that I, I hear a lot of very strong opinions or see a lot of very strong opinions about the contract, and it takes two to sign a contract. So uh, from a Braves perspective, from a Braves fan perspective, you have to love the contract because Ozzy Albee's contract, along with Ronald Acuna Jr., which is still and, and it, it, it really a toss-up between which one is more um, team-friendly. They are both insanely team-friendly, but those two contracts that are insanely team-friendly set the Braves up to do what they did this offseason in re-signing Marcelo Zuna, set the Braves up for years to come to be able to continue to add to this team rather than having to get to a certain point because the Braves aren't the Dodgers. The Braves aren't going to be able to go out there year after year after year and sign top free agents. They have to do this on a little bit of a different scale. And let's be honest, the Dodgers are the only team right now in Major League Baseball doing what the Dodgers are doing. Everybody else, including the Yankees and the Red Sox, they're all spending less, way less than the Dodgers. And the Braves' payroll this year is going to take a hit. I think, assuming that this full season happens, assuming that fans are able to be in the stands, the Braves have announced 20 to 25% um, to start the season. And I assume that later in the season, there may be opportunities for more fans to be in the stands. As revenue goes up, I believe that this team will have more opportunities to add to the payroll in the years to come. So I think they can at least, from a payroll standpoint, stay competitive. But in the world that the Braves live in, where there is a budget, and it's not just go out and sign whoever you think can make the team better, the Ozzy Albies contract and the Acuna contract are critical pieces to what this team is going to be able to do in 2021, but moving forward, 22, 23, and so on. So we had to kind of lead with that, or at least I felt like I had to kind of lead with that because to, you know, to ignore the contract and to ignore a, a big piece of controversy surrounding the player. You know, on the field, Ozzy is a spectacularly fun guy to watch play baseball. He is excellent at second base. He's been an all-star already. He's won a silver slugger. He's 24 years old. He's just getting started. And I think if he can stay healthy this year, he will find himself once again as an all-star and, and perhaps finally getting the respect that he deserves at second base and, and winning the gold glove. So what the Braves have in Ozzy in the field is an insanely talented second baseman who makes a lot of great plays. Now, we can't ignore the fact that at times he has made the boneheaded play on something very, you know, routine. He, he Sometimes he can make the routine play seem very difficult and make some of the most difficult plays seem routine. So 
at the plate, which is kind of the context that everything we're going to be talking about for the rest of the podcast today, the question for Ozzy is, where do you bat Ozzy? Now, I'm previewing him as second. I think he's going to start the season batting second. But Ozzy has pretty much batted everywhere in the Braves order except third, because that's where Freddie Freeman bats, and fourth. And I'm sure there's been some times where he batted fourth. But Ozzy is, is, is it's a difficult thing to decide because the reality for the Braves franchise is Brian Snicker is a, a great players manager, but he has an old school perspective. And the new school perspective, which I think a lot of people that listen to this podcast may struggle with this, is whoever, you, you, it's like you write your best hitters in order. All right, here's my lineup. Here are the guys where they're going to play in the field. Now I'm just going to rank them the best hitters to the worst hitters. And when you make that list, that's your that's your lineup. You're done. You, you, you don't do anything else. Righty, lefty, doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. Just you take your best people, you put them at the top, and you go from there. Now maybe you flip two and three or three and four, depending on if you want somebody behind, batting behind someone else to give a little bit of cover to, you know. But by and large, you want your best hitters at the top of the lineup. That is the new school thinking. That was not always and has not always been, and I don't think it is, Brian Snicker's view. Ozzie Albies, because he is five foot eight and 165 pounds, you think he is this really fast, which he is, small guy that needs to be batting at the top of the order to get on base in front of your power hitters three, four, five. And he is. He can do that. That's the game he has. He's He, he doesn't have as many stolen bases uh, in his career as you might think. He only has 40 career stolen bases, which if you think about the fact that, you know, 40 stolen bases over the course of three plus seasons, that's not very much. But he does have remarkable speed. So having him on base in front of guys like Ozuna and Freeman makes a lot of sense. The problem is he's kind of a power hitter in the way that he approaches his at-bats and, and and just the way that he goes about the game. He He's not a contact guy. Uh, he strikes out a lot. I mean, everybody strikes out a lot now, but he, he has high strikeouts. He has low, uh, relatively low walks. So I don't know that he fits, that, that his actual production at the plate fits what he, you think he should be doing based just on how he looks and, and, and kind of, you know, traditional thinking in baseball. So I do believe he will start the season in the two hole. I also believe later in the season, we're going to find him where we found him in the playoffs last year. And I think that's probably where it's best batting sixth uh, or fifth, depending on how you move things around batting kind of down in the order a little bit at, because he does have some pop and, if he's on base in front of a guy like Riley, then you have an opportunity. Riley is a doubles machine when he makes contact. So you have a guy who can, you know, get on base and score from first when Riley gets his double. So he'll start the season at two, in my opinion. I don't think he'll stay there. So the last two full seasons, 2018, 2019, 24 home runs. So he that just kind of a little bit further proves the point that he's not a you know, Kilvio Veras, just for a throwback for maybe the three people that listen to this and might know who that is, that's not his profile. He's not just a contact guy slapping the ball down the lines, all that kind of stuff. Now, I said in at the end of the Ronald Pond podcast that I think Ozzy has the opportunity 
to benefit more from Chipper Jones' addition as a coach on this team than any other player in the lineup. And the reason is because Ozzie is a switch hitter. So Chipper Jones, in my humble opinion, is one of the best, if not the best, switch hitters of all time. Batting right-handed Chipper's average for his career was 303. Batting left-handed his average for his career was 304. Chipper Jones was just a consistently great hitter. And he was able to do it for his entire career as a switch hitter. And there really wasn't a drop-off. I mean, the guy was like 45 years old. He won a batting title because he didn't have his legs. So he decided, I'm not going to go up there and try to hit home runs and hit for power. But I'm just going to find the open spot on the field and hit the ball there because I can. You know, Tony Gwynn always used to say, I can hit 40, 45 home runs a year or I can bat 330. It helps my team more if I bat 330. So Chipper towards the end of his career, just kind of flipped it and was like, now I'm not going to try to hit home runs anymore. Now I'm just going to get on base and just drive everybody crazy with batting 330, 340, whatever he batted the year that he won the batting title. I think Chipper, having the experience that he had for so long in the major leagues, being there day in and day out, will really benefit Ozzy's ability to maybe have two separate mentalities depending on which side of the plate he's actually hitting from so against right-handed pitching that means Ozzy as a switch hitter would be batting left-handed for his career 256 average with an OPS of 753 now 256 is fine in modern baseball it's not great it's not horrible OPS 753 pretty decent not great I mean basically for OPS excellent is over 800 that's, you know, that's what you want. I say excellent. Really good is over 800. So Ozzy's a good player, a good hitter, batting left-handed against right-handed pitching. But listen to this. Against left-handed pitching, so when Ozzy is batting right-handed, 345 with an OPS of 950. So to give you a little bit of perspective, OPS 950 is like, you do that for a career, you're a Hall of Famer. So the difference between his batting as a left-handed hitter and a right-handed hitter is the difference of a guy who is really good to all-time great. 345 is amazing, especially in the modern game. So what am I saying? That Chipper's going to come in and have Ozzy batting 345 from the right-handed or against right-handed pitching? No. What I genuinely think is Ozzy has to have two different mentalities. I think he needs to be more of a contact hitter when he's batting left-handed. Now, maybe Chipper can come in and help him kind of tweak that left-handed swing and, and, and do some things physically to kind of change whether it's launch angle or whatever. I don't think there's anybody, and, I, and I'm serious about this, I don't think there's anybody on the planet right now who thinks about hitting more knows more about hitting from a player standpoint than Chipper Jones. This guy is a savant. When you hear him on the broadcast, you won't hear him anymore because he's going to be the dugout, but when you've heard him talk about hitting on the broadcast, it's just a passion of his. If you read his book, he loves talking about hitting. He, The way he thinks about it, the way he describes it, the guy just loves to talk about hitting. So maybe he can help Ozzy just figure out some things he's mechanically doing from the left side that will just kind of skyrocket him.
But I think what you really will probably see, or I hope that we see, is that maybe as a left-handed hitter, he needs to be more of a contact guy. He needs to try to get on base, use his legs. And when he has those opportunities batting right-handed, that's when we see the power. Because if you're going to help the team, if Ozzy's going to, you know, really benefit this team over the course of the season, he has to be able to get on base. And especially if he's batting behind Acuna, he cannot pop out all the time. If Acuna's on base, he's got to get him over. He's got to move him. And I'm not saying laying down bunts and, you know, you got the old school, like you hit it to the right side to try to find the hole because the, the first baseman's holding Acuna over. I mean, if he can do that, that's great. I, I mean, as, as much as I was kind of flippant just now about, you know, the old school mentality of, you know, getting a runner over, it always works. But I don't think you can ask a guy who's 24 years old in the modern game to really change his complete approach in the sense of, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice myself for the team. That's just not how a lot of these guys think. They think I'm going to hit this ball out of the ballpark and that'll be the best thing for my team. Ultimately, what we need to see from Ozzy is just a little bit, you know, you don't want to mess with anything from the right side. He's excellent from the right side. But if you can get that 256 from the left side of the plate up to, let's say, 270, 275, that takes Ozzy as a player over the course of the entire season. That takes him from very good to very great. And I think it really would mean a lot for this offense. I think it would mean a lot for Ozzy in general, and I think it would mean a lot for the Braves over the course of the season if you can have Ronald and Ozzy being at their peak at the same time together batting one and two, I think that is the peak for this offense because you know what's coming after. And you can bat Freddie Freeman third, you can bat him ninth, you can bat him any position on the team. Freddie Freeman is going to be Freddie Freeman. That's what we know. So the key if you're going to bat Ozzy second is lowering the strikeouts a little bit, working the count a little bit. But the reality is if he's batting in front of Freeman, which is what I'm projecting to start the season, he's going to get opportunities. And when he gets them, he can't miss them. He's got to make good contact. He's got to be able to drive the ball to the opposite field. He's got to be able to get on base because they're going to want to get Ozzy out. If you look at the top of the order, and if it ends up being Acuna, Alves, Freeman, Ozuna, and Darno, one through five, you have to look at that and go, well, I better get Albies out. If I don't get Albies out, I'm looking at a two or a three run inning right off the bat. So Ozzy becomes the key to a lot of opening innings for the Braves in that scenario. So hopefully, the addition of Chipper Jones and just a healthy Ozzy Albies for 150-ish games this season will produce what the Braves and Brian Snicker hope it produces from the number two hole in the lineup. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed my breakdown of Ozzy Albies. Tomorrow we will look at the franchise, the guy who is currently the face of the franchise, the successor in that sense to Chipper Jones the reigning, defending National League MVP, your friend and mine, the greatest hugger on the team, Freddie Freeman. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful day, and as always, go dogs.